Hi, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to answer a quick question I receive often. How do I eat healthy when on the go? I believe that one of the reasons I thrive with stage four cancer is because of my healthy lifestyle. And I am always looking for ways to make clean eating simple. One option I absolutely love is Daily Harvest. I get chef-crafted, wholesome foods that are in and out of the freezer delivered right to my door. My personal favorite is the Brussels Pod Thai Harvest Bowl. From smoothies and superfood lattes to harvest bowls and delicious desserts, Daily Harvest has something for everyone. Now you can choose healthy and convenient today just by being one of my listeners. You'll get $25 off your first order with the promo code Pretty Wellness at checkout. Go to daily-harvest.com and that's Pretty Wellness, one word at checkout. And here we are. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. Now, if you like this episode, please check out some of the others and do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now for this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Stephanie Raflock, a writer, teacher, and former iHeartRadio host who inspires women to embrace their strength and passion of their own personal story. This episode shares her intel on how we can embrace our age and see it as the next great adventure. So please grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. Hi, I'm excited to be here today with award-winning author Stephanie Raflock, popularly known for a delightful little book on aging, and now Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women. Stephanie's a writer, motivational speaker, and former iHeartRadio host who inspires women to embrace the strength and passion of their own personal story. Her commitment to uplift women extends to teaching personal development classes for incarcerated women and nonprofits, including Dress for Success. In this podcast, as you know, we share inspirational stories of finding joy through hardship. In episode 30 with Ann Cannon Wilson, she spoke about menopause and how there's so many other areas of aging that can bring stress to women. And then I saw Stephanie's book and knew she would be perfect to talk on all these topics and enlighten us on how we can embrace our age and see it as the next great adventure. Stephanie, I am so excited for you to be here today. Thank you so much. Oh, Karen, I'm thrilled to be with you today. And I love the name of your show, Happiness Through Hardship. 
which is, I think is also the name of your book. But what I love about that title is the juxtaposition of happiness and hardship. You don't expect to see those things in the same phrase or the same sentence. And yet all of life is that kind of juxtaposition you know, joy and sorrow, pain and celebration. Well, thank you so much because, I mean, as you know, as an author, you spend quite a long time trying to come up with how can you tell what this book is all about in just a few words. And that's what kept coming to me. And I even had somebody that I really respect that works in literary circles say, oh, I don't know if I like that because there's some negativity to it. But to your point... It is about life and how we have sometimes this teeter-totter or a roller coaster of ups and downs, but how you can try and find, hey, joy in whatever journey that you're going through in life. So thank you. You bet. So let's just jump in. And I want to know first, why did you decide you're a writer? You've done so much writing, which I didn't even hit upon in the beginning. Can you share with us, like, why aging? Why is that the topic that you decided to write upon? I would love to tell you that it was some great conscious decision of mine, but I literally fell into it. When when I started writing, I thought that I wanted to be a novelist, and that was my area of study. And when I went to school, I earned a degree in writing and poetics, and I really thought that fiction was the way that I would go. But the more that I studied writing, the more I realized the importance of writing everything. One of my favorite writers is a woman named Nora Ephron. And what I loved about Nora Ephron was that she was an essayist. Um, Back in the days when we had Glossy Magazine, she was an essayist for Esquire Magazine. She wrote wonderful stuff. Then she wrote a novel called um, Heartburn. Then she did things like um, You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle. She wrote everything. And in my quest to become a writer, I started writing everything. And I sort of found this wheelhouse of the personal essay and the personal story as it revolved around aging. In part, I think because I was getting older, I was at the at the time I was at the threshold of what we call older age or old age 60. And um, I started getting feedback from women my age who were reading my stuff. And none of them were going gently into that good night. Something was happening. Something was shifting. So I wanted to explore that. You know, why is it that we fear aging? Why is it that we have kind of a disdain for it? Why do we want it to make it the butt of the joke? Um, And the topic just continues to expand as as I've gone on. Now, can you talk to us about the title of your book, as you were talking about my book, or your latest book, let's say, Creatrix Rising. What is a creatrix? (laughs) That's such a great word. For a long time, the paradigm that we had to look at in a mythological sense was Maiden Mother Crone. But Maiden Mother Crone is really the idea of Robert Graves, who was a um, novelist in the uh, 30s and 40s, a novelist and a poet. And it's outdated, and it was defined by a man, but especially that word crone. I know that there have been certain feminist groups that have tried to reclaim that word, but some words are just not worth reclaiming. The word crone means disagreeable old woman, oh. and no woman that I know wants that title. No, right? right. So when I was looking around me at what was happening in our world, there was a 
big, big shift in women's consciousness that happened with the 2017 Women's March that resulted in 2018 more women running for political office than ever before, local, state, national level in the history of this country. And now you start to see women coming out. Forbes just did this thing for the first time, 50 women over 50. So what do we call this new woman? Because she's not a crone. So what do we call her? Creatrix is a word that means a woman who makes things. And it comes from the three Greek fates, the spinner, the weaver, and the cutter. And the weaver is the creatrix, the woman who makes things. So that's what we unfold into now at midlife and beyond rather than the crone. It's it's a bold statement of this is an archetype that is rising in our culture. This is a new archetype that we can name and claim as opposed to going to the old paradigm of crone and hag and used up and the whole, all everything that comes with that irrelevance, insignificance, all of that. Well, what's interesting to me also is that creating things I love and clearly did not know what that word meant, but the fact, and now it's funny looking at it, it makes sense, but creating things throughout this podcast, I've had so many people talk about their inspirational journeys and how even when going through such a hard time, which could be anything from job loss to cancer to aging, right? Like there's so many different hardships and it's all very relative. But when they found a little bit of purpose in their day-to-day or even maybe not day-to-day, but in you know some facet of their life and that purpose could be maybe it's you know, raising their children and being present or their purpose could be, you know, creating a podcast that people want to listen to and get hope. Whatever their purpose is, they're creating something and that helps give them hope, that helps bring them joy. And so it's wild that here that's what this is all about is as you're giving advice and telling a story about aging, that creating things can continue to bring you that type of, whether it's happiness, success, or purpose. Right. And I I think you've touched upon a very important component of of aging or, let's say, um, navigating the waters of suffering. We navigate the waters of suffering through a process of gratitude, finding creativity, And then through those things, we get hopefulness and purposefulness in our life. Um, I got sick in January and was afraid that I had COVID. It turns out that I didn't. But I spent a week in bed with a pretty severe um, upper respiratory infection. And what I did in bed was I, I gathered up my little basket of art supplies and I sat it next to me. And I would wake up and I would draw for a little bit. And believe me, I am no artist. But I love the process of of making something, making anything. Creativity is close to creation, you know, being close to one's creator. And creativity is some kind of homage to that, I feel. So creativity and then the gratitude of being able to create, whether it's a piece of art or a piece of music or it's a garden or it's leadership or it's um, raising a good dog. Or a good kid. And I agree with you. And that's something I've really, I don't know if I 
believed it. I don't know if I experienced it. I don't know if I thought or reflected on it years ago. But now, as you're saying, when you're in bed sick or for, for when we've had down days, sometimes it's just going back. And actually, when you create things, a lot of times you are just, you're doing and you're present. Yes, and it's so, meditative. Yes, and so there's something beautiful about that. And as, as we're talking, I'm thinking about there, a neighbor of mine had given me some of the beautiful thin origami paper because she, she and her family and school were doing a project where you were going to, you know, fold and create all these cranes and then send them to somebody. And so I wasn't very good at them. And I didn't do many. But in the effort of trying to do it, I was focused. I wasn't multitasking. I was trying to enjoy those moments with my son. And that's what got me thinking. It wasn't the fact that I was horrible at it because I was, but it was taking those times to be present. And I was pretty proud of myself for trying to do something that I couldn't really do. Right. Beforehand. Something new. Learn something new. Right. Right. Well, can you give us some ideas? So in the book, what I, I really love when books do this is that there's a story or there's, um, you know, just information in the beginning of the chapter and then many of the chapters at the end will have tips and resources that were aligned with kind of the topics of that chapter. And I know in your book, it talks about reflections, activities, and journaling. So I don't want to give too much away of the book because obviously I want people to go out and get it. But can you share with um, the listeners, because I know our listeners, the feedback we get is that they love when there's all sorts of nuggets of um, not just inspiration, but information that can help. So when it comes to aging and what kind of recommendations and advice can you give the listeners? Well, the whole purpose of the, the section at the end of the chapters, reflection, activity, and journaling, is um, is to find that doorway that goes into our interior life. That's really the, the purpose of that. And when we enter the interior life, we're entering a contemplative space, a reflective space. So some of the prompts that I give at the end of each chapter are things that you can write about. And if you're not a writer, it doesn't matter. They're just things that you can think about that help you form your own story about your life. I think there's tremendous power in, in knowing the arc of our story and seeing like where we started with something, where it took us, and then the transformative force of story, where we wound up. So that's a lot of what happens at the end of these chapters. Um, I'll give you an example. I wrote a chapter on menopause as a bridge to the next phase of life. And I hold menopause as kind of an initiation as opposed to just a set of uncomfortable symptoms that happen. It's like this physical, emotional, spiritual initiation. Um, in some of the writings of the mystics, women like Teresa of Avila and stuff, they, she talks about, you know, burning with passion for the divine. And I think, well, what was that really, that real burning that was going on? But hot flashes can be reframed as a burning for a desire to what? To create art, to reclaim something in your life that you cast aside because you raised children and had a mortgage to pay? What is that burning desire? It's like, I think there's clues in that in menopause. So when we get to the end of the chapter on menopause, it's like, 
is there a story that goes with the emotions that you feel? Is there a story that goes with the hot flashes or the night sweats or, or the emotions under those physical sensations? Can you put a symbol to those things? Like I just said, you know, a hot flash being the burning desire to do something different in your life. Can it be seen as a burning devotion or commitment to something new? So, um, that's that's what those reflections at the end of each chapter are are about you know how how we frame things and reframe things in your life which i'm sure that you know a lot about yeah i i get that i i wrote a piece that was so relevant at the time about how a disney princess helped me find mm-hmm. my new normal and literally, I can I, I cry, I, and I cry thinking about it because I was in the movie theater watching Frozen with my son, who was young at the time, five, six, and you know, you hear this princess singing, "Let it go, let it go," right? Oh. And you just and something hit me that was like, was I meant to hear that? Am I supposed to like? enough of not I mean we're allowed to feel sorry for ourselves in whatever hardship we're going through because man life is tough and and trust yes. me like I get that but when I reframed when I do reframe the way I um I look at my cancer it just helps me and listen I'm human so all of you cancer survivors out there or or, or those who are touched by any hardship. Listen, you're allowed to be human. It's not every moment of every day, but overwhelmingly I do try and just move forward and look forward. And yeah, I have a huge roller coaster and days full of appointments and things that would be nice if I didn't have, but I do. So I don't think about what if this didn't happen. I just look at, all right, what else can I do around it? And so I loved, I really connected with this idea of aging being this next great adventure right? It's, it's the, like, mm-hmm. what's your new normal now? And how, listen, I went through menopause uh, medically because of the cancer. And I'll tell you the, the, um, the hot flashes never bothered me because I'd be like, whoosh, that was weird. Wow. My, <laughs> my body's actually doing that. Like, it was just really weird. The night sweats were just kind of gross. Like, especially uh, like, I, I didn't like that, but again, it, it, it doesn't last forever. And you know, so what do you do? You got to clean up, get, you know, put on something new. Sometimes you don't sleep well because of it, but whatever I'm alive. And, and this is, it's just what I had to do. And so I, I think looking at aging as a new adventure, what do I get to do differently now that, um, at this point in my life, I think that that, I hope that that's what I do as I'm looking forward. Uh, because I know, like, and we all know, you know, you, you're never guaranteed that next day, that next moment even. And so, again, hopefully we're not always thinking that because that's a little gloom and doom. But uh, I, I would love to hear what other suggestions you have about the next great adventure. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point when you talk about being human and um, giving into the emotion of grief. I mean, we all experience grief. And I like to hold grief as the as the Persephone story, if you remember your Greek I mythology. I do, and I like Persephone. And Persephone is the wonderful story because she does the descent. You know, things are like out of really out of her control, like life happens, right? Hades reaches up and he pulls her into the underworld. And now what? 
And even though her mother and people who love her, Demeter's up in on the earth, you know, trying to get her back, she has to navigate the waters of this darkness. And so this is where grief becomes the transformational force. When she rises up again, she's made peace. She's confronted the darkness. And now she rises into the life, the light, and spring happens. So that's like the Greeks made that story up to teach us about the seasons, but it also teaches us about the cycles of life. That, you know, life goes along pretty well and then boom, something happens. And we are confronted with this descent into grief. We rise again. And what happens when we rise is this opportunity then for the new, shall we say, the new normal, the new self-acceptance of how this has changed us, of how we must now adapt. We've all kind of lived this story the past year in this pandemic and the lockdown, the descent, and now we're experiencing a time of ascension. And it's almost giddy. But, you know, what will we take with us from this experience? You know, what did this experience teach us that allows us to continue to unfold psychologically and spiritually so that we are always evolving, always expanding. Um, and then we go into another cycle. I'm sitting here thinking, uh, it, it, you know, it's so, I think back to my grandparents, my grandmother specifically, mm. and how different times were then. And even looking at my my mother who grew up under a very, at the time, traditional uh, family. And my, my grandmother just cooked and cleaned and did whatever my grandfather wanted. And then here my mom was, my mom's brilliant. She's so smart <laughs> and, you know, wanted to continue with schooling. And that was a bit of a pressure because not everybody did and wanted to work after she got married. And, and looking at how aging was even for, for, our family in the past versus what we're going through now because sometimes we look for role models around them or not even look we just that's our experience with life and we know what they did and how can we be true to what we want maybe not even knowing what we want right because you've got these family members around you that maybe did things differently Right. And, and women, you know, I mean, we've, we've all changed. And I think that we can certainly look to our own families for inspiration. And right now in the world, you can certainly look outside of yourself to see what women over 40, 50, 60, 70 years old are doing in the world. And, you know, it, it brought a smile to my face to see that thing in Forbes this month, the 50 women over 50. And these were women that were, you know, CEOs and entrepreneurs and artists. And, you know, I think of Twyla Tharp, who's a great uh, New York choreographer that wrote a book a couple of years ago called um, Keep It Moving. And she has this theory that I just love, theory for lack of a better word right now. But she talks about how there are only two movements in dance. There is contraction, and there is expansion and you have to have both. And she said, you know, in your emotional life and your physical life, if you stay in a contracted state, heart and mind follow that. So you have to, even though you contract, you have to keep expanding. It's a constant back and forth. And I love that idea that that's what aging is. We contract and then we expand. That's what life is. We contract and then we expand. 
that is, uh, that makes so much sense, right? And, and it just gives some sense to the fact that, like, this is life and there are ups and downs in it. And also, you know, when it, com- when it comes to emotion, there's the highs, there's the lows, but living life is about finding what you need in it, right? Right. And, and this idea of um, reinvention, that we go through things in life, you go through cancer in your life and you reinvent yourself. And what is reinvention? It's an awakening. Each time we reinvent ourselves, we awaken ourselves to something new. So I think that's an important aspect of of the ups and downs of life too. It's like, don't be afraid to reinvent yourself a dozen times, two dozen times. We we do it all anyway, but why not do it consciously? What do I want from life in this moment? What do I want to give in this moment? How do I want to live my life in this moment? Well, Can I live gratefully, creatively? And, and I love, well... I love that Forbes did this article and showcasing women that are over 50 because the world is, I mean, the world needs it, right? There's so many, because of advances in medicine, I hope that we're continuing to age gracefully and have a a wonderful quality of life. So how do you live a purposeful life, right? And these, they're showcasing women who are doing that. And not that it has to be as grandiose as being this like top choreographer in, you know, in New York City. It can be, listen, if you always wanted to dance, can you teach dance in your 50s to a group of kids in your neighborhood or in a less fortunate neighborhood, right? Taking that um, you know, a moment or several moments to think about what makes you smile. What do you like doing and doing something with it? I think that is meaningful, whatever that might be. Absolutely. And, and me, you know, we are meaning seeking creatures. So finding that thing about aging that you can embrace, that you can wrap your arms around and, you know, to shun that sense of irrelevance or insignificance um, that has been part of our past, but isn't part of our future. Well, this is a great time for women, I think. Well, I think so too. And, and for, there are many people, you know, women specifically, I think that have spent so much time and energy, goodness, I know that in, raising your child and then they go off to college and then you're, you know, empty nesters. I, one of my dear friends, uh, one of the, actually, I think she was the first person I saw from my life, uh, post pandemic, Jen Lang. She was going on the college tour with her son and her husband, Scott. And so they stopped here on their way. So we had some nice, a nice walk outside and I can't believe that she's going to be an empty nester in two years. And it's, it's wild to think, you know, how, how much time and energy that we, we, in many cases, have loved so much being the soul, not just the soul, I guess it, it takes a village, but spending so much time and energy on, on raising our kids, then what's next? When, what is next right. when you're an empty nester? And I love to hear stories about um, women or people who, again, just look at this as, okay, we're on to the next phase. I still clearly am a patient and a patient, a, a parent, and hopefully a hands-on, you know, a hands-on parent to some degree, but life changes. And how can we 
um, whether you call it reinvent yourself or take on different roles that bring you joy outside of what you've been doing, because now you have different time. Well, and you've just described what, what happens that we move from motherhood into the creatrix phase of life. All right. So who else? I want to think about this because I love having role models of it just in life and all the things I do, whether it was my like cancer role model or it was my business professional role model or it's my parenting role models. Like who in, you know, if over than 50 besides Twyla Tharp, do you, would you say out there um, from different backgrounds that people may want to read their autobiographies or, or, or follow their story, people that might inspire them as well that have aged um, it doesn't have to be just gracefully, really, but aged naturally and following their own joy, health, or happiness. Well, I like to turn the younger generation on to a woman named Maggie Kuhn, K-U-H-N. I think she only wrote, wrote one book. And Maggie Kuhn was the founder of what was called the Grey Panthers. In the 1960s, there was a law in this country that when you hit 65, you were required by law, unless you had your own business, to retire. So companies, they couldn't do anything. It's like, you're 65, you're out of here. So um, Maggie Kuhn was a church secretary, and she wasn't ready to, like, just stop and go sit in a barca lounger. So she noticed that what was going on in the universities and colleges around her were that students were organizing to protest the Vietnam War. And she went to a student group that was doing this. They were trying to set up a a protest and, you know, become activists. And she said, look, you guys are young. I have a group of friends that we've been doing logistics between us for hundreds of years. (laughs) Let us help you. And she was dubbed a Grey Panther, which was kind of a playoff on the name the Black Panthers from the 1960s. But she became a social activist and advocate for um, peace and justice. And she lectured, I think, until she was 93, 94 years old. And at the end, she had to be driven around to her lectures and whatnot. She was a tiny little woman, and she would use a little step stool to stand at the lectern and talk about living your life to the fullest, regardless of your years. So Maggie Kuhn is a good person to look into, even if you just Google her and, you know, check out her life. Um, I love the writer May Sarton, who died um, several years ago. Did you say May Sarton? May Sarton, S-A-R-T-O-N. May Sarton wrote a book called Journal of a Solitude that was very inspirational to me when I was in my thirties because she was a woman telling the truth about how she felt about life, how she, how she was angry, how she was upset. And keep in mind that, you know, women of my generation and my mother's generation, when they got into an emotional state were often called hysterical. You know, that was the put down Uh for that. Now, We live in a time in the way that I've reframed that for myself is women hold the emotion of the world. That's part of what a creatrix does, that as you get older, you weep more freely. It's not a matter of crying because something's sad or something's wrong. It's a matter of weeping for the world. This world deserves our tears. And we all know that tears are cleansing and they're healing. So... I forgot how I got off on that little tangent, but um, May Sarton was a woman that I I loved reading for that emotional sense of writing. Um, 
I love everything that um, Meryl Streep has done as an actress. She really broke the mold for, you know, that just you have to be a young ingenue to get a good role in Hollywood. And when she did Bridges of Madison County, it just kind of rocked the world. You know, here's the story of a, a middle life, middle age love story. And it was beautiful. Yeah. I, I, so she is, I, I love her as well. And, and yeah. to the listeners out there, all this information and in terms of from the books and the names, I'll definitely include in the show notes. If you want to go back and check out the links. Cause I think I, you know, I know that I love being inspired by stories and other people. Again, we were talking about the, the strength of storytelling. And so I, I think for all the listeners out there, hopefully um, with some of this material, you will be able to, um, you know, to, to take it further and check in what, what you think that you want or need. And and I will say, I want to give a shout out to my aunt Paula. She mm-hmm. is, she is always my, my family. Uh, my aunt Jane is a professional artist. My father's a very talented piano player. Uh, and my aunt Paula uh, was, is an incredible dancer. She also was a musician and uh, you know, I could spend hours talking about my um, my wonderful family, but I, I wanted to give her a shout out because she's always loved dancing. And uh, so a few years ago, she lives in Atlanta and the WNBA team, the Atlanta Dream, um, rather than have cheerleaders like the, the NBA team does, they have a dance team of seniors. And so my Aunt Paula is a, so I guess in a sense, she's a, you know, a, a professional cheerleader dancer for uh the WNBA. And it's amazing. I mean, she sent me some videos and she's an amazing dancer. So are many of her teammates. And I think back like that wows me because I love the idea of me being able to do the things that I love. My friends, the people of the world, it doesn't matter how old you are. Like clearly um, we may reach some obstacles in our age at some point, physically, mentally, um, that may make us choose to go another direction. But I mean, she is a beautiful, athletic, graceful woman that um, is an amazing dancer. And the fact that she gets to do what she loves is, is pretty cool. Like in, yes, we can all dance in our own house. And trust me, like sometimes I will put on um, different (laughs) Peloton dance classes and I will do it myself. Um, But to be actually, to have the, the stage, to be able to do it in front of an audience, like that's a thrill for a lot of people that are, you know, that are dancers or performers. And so, um, so I always thought that that was, I, you know, my aunt Paula does a lot of cool things and that, that is one of them. So, well, here's to aunt Paula. Yes. Cheers to aunt Paula. I've got my kombucha right here. Maybe you have tea or something. We can cheers yes. to that. Thrive um, on. To thrive on. So, um, I noticed, and I was super excited that you have a gratitude practice as do I. And for all the listeners that are new to me, we close out uh, all episodes playing The Grateful Game. Now, The Grateful Game is something that my son and I created uh, a few years ago. And being that at the time he was a nine-year-old boy that was competitive and wants to win at every cost, <laughs> uh, we would, and he wants to stay up late. So, you know, he's the kid that uh, he wants to talk before he goes to sleep because really he just doesn't want to go to sleep. And so I, uh, I had a big gratitude journal that I brought in because I thought, oh, this might be good for us. And as I found out, having the light on and then having the conversation, it just didn't work for us. So we just turned off the light and we'd start talking about what we're grateful for and why. We'd give ourselves um, a certain amount of time. And then you know, whoever had the most wins, 
And I will tell you, to this date, he still is one every time. You know, that's the mother in me, right? Um, right. But no, in, in all seriousness, I want to say that um, everything that I have read about gratitude is that it really can help heal. It may not necessarily change for instance, my cancer diagnosis, it may not change all the world's problems, but it definitely can change our moods. It definitely can help us focus on more positivity, which can help us get through the day, which can help with our stress levels. And so I really encourage people, um, all the listeners out there, whether it's playing my grateful game, having a gratitude practice, or finding some sort of mindful practice that you can add to your day in just some small steps. And that is why Kyle, my son, and I end each night playing the grateful game and we end this episode doing it. So would you be willing to play the grateful game with me, Stephanie? Oh, you bet. All right. So I will start. I am giving us each a minute. So um, let me start by saying I am so grateful to... um, All right, last 24 hours, what I like to focus on, big things, little things. I am so grateful that um, for all the produce that is coming out right now and that various people have gardens and some of my friends will share it with me because then I can create the green juices that I really, really love so much that help nourish me. I am grateful for technology, and I guess this this could uh, be any of the last probably 20 years, but the fact that it is just so easy to uh, talk to some of my best friends from around the world that maybe I grew up with or in the day-to-day, and I know, you know, when we are also isolated for so long, maybe we rolled our eyes at Zoom or at FaceTime, um, but I was so grateful for it then, and I'm so grateful for it now because two of my best friends, one from college, one from home, um, I still talk to definitely weekly, if not daily. And it really fills me because, um, you know, it's just a beautiful thing. We, we share, it doesn't feel like when I catch up with them, I've got hours and hours. We just talk about the day to day. So, okay. I got two and, uh, and yesterday I, uh, left long-winded messages to both of them. So that's what made me think of that. <laughs> I am going to toss the grateful game to you. Oh gosh. This is such a great time to be grateful because we are in this ascension. So right now, in the last 24 hours, I'm grateful that I had my first dinner guests two nights ago. Ooh, that's that, great. That I've had in a year and a half. And not only that, these were new friends that I made when I first came to Austin, and it was the first time we got to hug. So that was so grateful for that. I'm grateful that I'm starting to see other friends right now that for a year and a half, I only saw the top half of their face (laughs) and now I get to see their nose and their mouth and their pretty smiles. But you know, I'm also grateful that going to the market once a week during um, the COVID knockdown uh, lockdown, um, I was able to see people smile with their eyes. I got used to that because people would, you know, you can't see people smile when they're wearing a mask, right, right. but you can see their eyes and people smile with their eyes. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm very grateful this morning for my strong legs because I have this new puppy who's four and a half months old and he gets me out of the house and we do a morning walk every day up to the elementary school and then back. And I always feel great that, you know, I'm striding out and feeling strong and keeping up with this little dog who's like the 
the best trainer I've ever had. Um, I'm grateful that I'm on your show today. Oh. I always love the platform of podcasting for storytelling and for reaching out and for sharing my heart. So I'm very grateful to that. And I'm grateful for your story about Aunt Paula, because I love to hear about thriving women. And, and that's really what you're about and what I'm about. I'm looking for ways to thrive in this world. And sometimes it is harsh. And I'm grateful for those suffering moments that have textured my heart and made me more compassionate it, but I'm grateful for the smoothing that happens too in a in an episode like this where I get to sit and talk with you for 40 minutes or 45 minutes. So those are my gratitudes. Well, you clearly won, uh, but it <laughs> isn't whether you win or lose. It's That's just right. about trying to play the game. And I know that my son would disagree with me because he wants to win his games and I get, right. and I respect that. But when it comes to healthy lifestyle modalities, I encourage people to try something. Even if you tried it a few years ago and it didn't work or you rolled your eyes at it, I can't even begin to tell you when I changed my life drastically after my stage four diagnosis, my whole lifestyle, there were many things that I had done before, but I just looked at it. It's about reframing. I reframe things differently and I do believe I am happy and I am relatively healthy living with cancer. And so for all you out there that are going through hardship, you know, I encourage you to just take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other and try and find something that brings you joy because it is possible to find a little bit of joy during whatever journey that you're going through in life. So thank you again, Stephanie, for being here today. Thank you to the listeners for being supportive and coming back week after week. We are so grateful for that. So um, wishing you all a wonderful day and bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us, too. If you love us, they might as well. And now, my parting words. Age is a burden to some, an adventurous number to many. But all in all, wherever you come from, I hope that there's something special about celebrating the good in life that you can tap into. Sometimes when I connect with childhood friends, I feel like a kid again. Like today, for instance, I called one of my dear, dear friends from childhood because it was her birthday. And it felt like we were 10 again. Now, do you ever reach out and call, text, or even just send a note to say hello to somebody that you haven't talked to in so long? I know that life has been really heavy for so many people. And sometimes just the simple act of connecting can bring us that love that lasts for days and days. So thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now. Bye.